The Gospel of Mark, chapter 3, we've already read, and it begins as we see the Lord Jesus and his love for his people, and we'll end with what it looks like for us to love the Lord. So we begin, it opens up, and we see Jesus' love and his concern for the people. How often are we like that? We are often so concerned about what other people think of us, crushed by fear of man, thinking about me, Jesus is concerned about other people, specifically the poor and the destitute. Think about this pitiful man. How does it describe him? What's physically wrong with this man? Do you remember? As Mr. Patrick was reading, what was wrong with him? His hand was withered. Now, how would you like that? Think about the things that we take for granted. Think about this man's work. How well could he provide for himself? Not easily, with great difficulty, that's how. Think with one hand. I guess you could pitch with one hand. Imagine typing with one hand. How do you type your papers? How would you do your work? How well could Pastor McNeely lead us on the guitar or on the piano with only one hand? The sports you play, the food you prepare. The other day we were at the pool and a boy, maybe 10 or 11, about Moses' age, his leg was shriveled up to above his knee. He had less than half a leg and his foot was turned around the other way. And one of my kids came up and said, Dad, that boy's leg is really gross. What do you say? What do you say to your son? Because we do often react that way to people who are different. People who are made in the good Lord's image. What do you say to your son? Well, son... The Lord made that boy that way. Ultimately, the Lord does what he does so that he will show his glory. There are miracles sitting here, deformed people who are still among us for God's glory. This miracle, this man with the withered hand and being restored, it's recorded for all time to show the work of the Lord. Christ is caring for the pitiful, the poor, the lame, the despised and the rejected among us. The Lord showed love and care for this man. And then meanwhile, what are the spectators doing? Simply looking for an opportunity to accuse Jesus if he healed on the Sabbath. Jesus is showing love. He's healing. They're corrupt. He said to the man with the withered hand, get up and come forward. And he said to them, the spectators, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, 
to save a life or to kill. They were caught, so they kept silent. After looking around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, he said to them, stretch out your hand, and he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. Now, Christ, this doesn't often record this in Scripture. It says that he was angry. And of course, we know that Jesus did not sin. Can you think of a time when you were angry and yet did not sin? I can't immediately think of examples. Plenty of times where I sinned in anger. Normally against my royal subjects here. Why does it say that Jesus was angry? What was he grieved at? He was grieved at their sin, at their hardness of heart. I remember a time when a lady was angry, and I believe it was a righteous anger. We were at a pro-life rally in Bloomington. This was a long time ago, maybe a decade or so now. At a pro-life rally, and of course in Bloomington, which is rabidly liberal, very pro-death, there were demonstrators who were there against us, heckling us, shouting their abortions, proud about killing little ones. And it was Pastor Bailey's, one of his sisters, who went among them, carrying one of her children in arms, and anger in her eyes, shouting, shouting, Shouting at them, shame on you. Screaming at them, shame on you for heckling us. As we are about protecting the lives of little ones. Jesus was angry and yet did not sin. They had Christ in his miracles. They didn't want to see. They did not want to believe. And so we take note of this today. As you go from here, everyone here has sins and temptations that we carry with us. Do not grieve the Lord with a hard heart. It grieves the Lord when we have a hard heart. Everyone here in one way or another has hardness of heart. Repent of a hard heart and be like the poor souls who were ready to be healed, who were ready to be done away with their sins. And of all the days of the week to be healed, the Sabbath is a wonderful day to be healed. I don't know about you, but I am overjoyed. My sinful heart coming here every Sunday and worshiping the Lord with you, friends, and finding rest for my weary and tempted soul. Our passage says that Jesus withdrew with his disciples. And what did the multitudes do? He's trying to get away, trying to rest. What did the multitudes do? He's the one who can heal us. 
So the people came to Jesus, even when he got away. They came to him. And a lot of people came to him, and they came from everywhere. They did not seek him in vain. He did not get annoyed and send them away. He ministered to, and he kept healing them. He took the time. Our passage says that Jesus selected, he summoned and appointed his disciples. He called who he wanted, who he determined. They didn't choose him, he chose them. Remember that God elects whom he will. The call goes out, the good news is proclaimed, and Jesus saves the sinners who he wants for his own. And it's effective. Those whom he wants, he saves. And he never loses his sheep. Those who belong to him belong to Jesus forever. And our passage, look at it in chapter 3. What does it say that he sent them to do? He sent them to do a few things. It's the first one. Jesus sent his disciples first to be with him. Isn't that sweet? How kind of God to send us friends to surround us. Life is tough. It's a cruel world we live in. A brother here, that's why he says, that's why I'm nice to people. Because life is hard. Everyone you meet is in some sort of pain. He also said, you're also the enemy in someone's story as well. You are. So be nice to people. I've certainly been encouraged by you all when I've needed it. Jesus appointed these 12 so that they would be with him, so they would minister to him. He appointed them that they would go and preach, preach the good news, and to have authority to do what? What does it say that they had authority to do? You remember? To cast out demons. This is always the faithful quadrant right here, the faithful answering quadrant. To cast out demons. Friends, there is a spiritual reality all around us that we're often very unaware of. Take it very seriously. We're desensitized because of our entertainment, the movies and TV that we've seen. Don't minimize the spiritual reality around us. The 12 disciples saw horrifying things. And you know what? Christ gave them authority to preach and to cast out demons. And when you get scared, kiddos, or adults, I do admit we've shown ourselves, our kiddos some things that we should not have shown them. When your sons and daughters come in for the tenth time late at night, Daddy, I'm scared. Go to bed. You pay for stuff like that. When you're scared, remember that Jesus gave authority to his disciples 
to preach and to cast out demons. Which means that Jesus is the one who has the unique authority to cast them out. When you're afraid, remember that Jesus has all the authority. And pray out loud in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be comforted and strengthened. Don't be afraid. Trust him. Again, we see the love of the Lord. We see the crowds gathered around Jesus. It says that he and his disciples couldn't even eat a meal together. Just constantly being demanded of. A lot of people with a lot of wants and needs. Have you ever stopped and wondered how many prayer requests God the Father hears at any one given moment? How many people in the world? It's what, over 8, eight billion and growing? Who knows? Think of the prayer requests and the Lord hears them all. We think it's tough for us, and you papas, and especially you mamas, I know it is tough. You get demanded of. The kiddos, the grandkiddos, it is a lot of work doing good, patient work. And so remember and be strengthened by the example of Christ here. Remember, he went away, and they came out to him so that they couldn't even eat a meal together. I know it's exhausting. But in 21st century America, we think that we're made for leisure and entertainment. We're not made to entertain ourselves. We're made to accomplish the work God's given us. It's okay to take a break. But often, taking a break really dominates our thoughts. We don't have a will to get up sometimes. I know that you have a lot of demands on you, a lot of pressures in your life. The little ones do depend on you so much, and thank you for the work. It's wearying. It's a lot of pressure. I brought it up before. I know that I joke about wanting to retire at 37 years old. But seriously, if someone wants to start that GoFundMe campaign, it can be a full-time stay-at-home dad. I would accept. Remember Caleb, when they entered the promised land. Caleb was how old? After wandering through the wilderness, he was at that point, he was 80 years old. And it said that he was just as strong as he was at half that age. To go to the work and to do the battle. Now, in 43 years, I do not have faith that I'll be just as strong to do the work. I don't know if I'll be just as strong in 43 minutes from now. Caleb had simply gotten up. How did he have the strength? He had simply gotten up each day and was faithful to do the work. He wasn't consumed with thoughts about 43 years from now. That would wear anybody out. He simply got up and did the faithful work. You students are probably desperately hanging on to every day of the summer. 
you don't want to think about your ninth grade exams, 10th, 11th, 12th, and what's beyond that. Don't weary yourself with it. Just be faithful with the work for today. The Lord blesses daily faithfulness. And so here in our passage again, we see the masses of people endlessly demanding of Jesus and his disciples. What could they do? Well, here right in front of you is more work to do, more work coming at you. Don't make yourself weary thinking, oh, how much longer do I need to do this? This is a personal confession. Pray for me. Oh, how much longer. I, I am in awe of older men and women who remain faithful. I really am. Who stay the course. Who keep daily fighting. Thank you for your example. Those who have gone before us. But simply focus on the work that's in front of you today. I need to stop joking about that retirement campaign. I just want to fast forward to the end of it and seeing that it was faithfully completed. That's part of what I want to do. But I can't. All I can do is be faithful with today. The Lord will prove himself faithful. My and your work is to trust and obey. Pray that I will be content, that I'll get wisdom from the Lord and leading from the Holy Spirit. Jesus and his disciples, they're such an example to us. They love these people who flock to them. And you can only do that work if you're genuinely loving other people. We're often just consumed with how I can love and nourish myself. That's our problem. How I can serve number one all day long. Pray that we will follow our Lord's example here. And remember, our Lord Jesus had authority. He was casting out the demons and his disciples were. The scribes came down from Jerusalem, the bourgeois, and they tried to accuse Jesus of casting out demons because they said he himself was possessed. These scribes were jealous for their own influence. And they saw that Jesus had true authority to heal miracles. This wasn't made up. This was from the Lord. And it intimidated the scribes. So they said and did what they wanted to try to discourage the people away from Christ. To which Jesus easily answers, How can, how can Satan cast out Satan? A kingdom or house divided against itself cannot stand. Think about it. You cannot simultaneously build your home while tearing it down. That's physical and as a metaphor. You can only do one or the other. You can only build up or tear down. Satan is no fool. Don't be deceived. Our enemy has designs and a plan against our Lord. He's not going to work against himself. But our Lord Jesus is infinitely wiser and stronger. Wherever Christ works and goes to war, 
Satan will lose. The gates of hell will not prevail against the advance of our Lord and his gospel. So there's a warning in these verses that's been very sobering to believers over the centuries. Have you ever read these verses here and thought about it? Truly I say to you, all sin shall be forgiven the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin because they were saying he has an unclean spirit. Now, there are many thoughts from all kinds of authorities about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. What does this eternal sin mean? I said earlier, Jesus is the good shepherd. Those sheep who belong to him, he will never lose them, ever. And suffice it to say, the fact that there is an unforgivable sin, that tells you we need to take sin deadly seriously. And so if you are convicted of your sins, be sure to confess them. That's how you begin to see victory over your sins. Admit that your sins are what they are. Confess them to one another. The Holy Spirit is the one who leads us to repentance, who guides us into the truth and obedience to Christ. Do not resist the Holy Spirit. You hear the preaching of the word. You read and are convicted. You're convicted by those around you. Don't resist the leading of the Holy Spirit. As Christians, our lives are of repentance daily. If you're convicted by your sin and turning away from it, then the Holy Spirit is working in you. Be encouraged. But remember, on the other hand, at the beginning of the passage, Christ was angry with the people for their hardness of heart. Don't have a hard heart. Do not resist the Holy Spirit's leading you away from sin and temptation. At home, I want a weed-free landscape. And here, I'm compelled to have a weed-free campus. And they are relentless. Every week, I go out and I'm spraying and I'm pulling. Guess what? They're still out there. Those weeds are still out there. It's quite depressing, actually. I ask for your help. Literally. People will encourage me, hey, Paul, the yard's looking good. And I often respond, yeah, the weeds keep popping up, just like the sins in my dark, wicked heart. But over time, they do diminish the weeds, both in volume and in size. If I want to lose the battle against them, just give up, just let them go. Let them go to seed. And the fight gets harder. But constant work at them, and the weeds do get fewer, they do get smaller. The Holy Spirit's work leads you to repentance, away from sin, 
and toward greater faith and obedience to Christ. You have particular besetting sins. Confess them and ask the Holy Spirit's leading you away from them. I know everyone here, we look like we have it all together. Got the nice shirt and pants on. Got the smile. We are all sick with sin. Yield to the Holy Spirit. He right now calls you to repentance. Repent of your pride. Repent of your lust, your laziness, your worldliness, your selfishness. Repent of it all. Confess your sins. Pray that God will lead you into all the truth. And as we go from here, like I said, we began with how the Lord has loved us. What does it look like in response for us to be loving the Lord? Who are the mother and brothers and sisters of the Lord? And this theme is repeated throughout this gospel and the others. The family of Jesus are those who honor and fear the Lord, who not only hear the word of the Lord, but then who go and do it, who obey the will of the Lord. Think of the vows that we make in life. It's easy to say, I'm going to be faithful. But to do the thing, who can find a faithful, trustworthy man? The Lord is faithful. We're to follow his example. We are to be like the Lord and to love what he loves. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, in case you're wondering, yeah, I need to follow the will of the Lord. Sure, that's easy to do. What does it look like? Give us marching orders so that we can go from here in faith. By the mercies of God, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. We're to be sanctified. For you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. This is the will of God, your sanctification. That is that you abstain from sexual immorality. For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. So he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. The leading of the Holy Spirit in all purity. And we're to give the Lord thanks. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. It is that clear. We know by the power of the Holy Spirit the right thing to do to follow God's will. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and honor and glory and praise. We thank you for Christ, our Lord, 
and the example of his disciples who went before us, who preached, and by the authority of the Lord cast out demons. Father, lead us. I pray that we will not quench the Spirit. I pray that we would follow his leading and example. Repenting away from sin and daily growing in faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Make us to be a faithful witness. Build your kingdom here among us, Father, for your glory. Lord, have mercy on us. Lead, guide, direct, and protect us. All these things for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.